not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. Thank you that your word has the ability to produce healing, to produce change, to take us out of darkness and put us in the light. Your word has the ability to help us see things we never saw before. And so as I step back, I I pray that the spirit of God will use me in a way that Father, people will hear what they need to hear from the Spirit of God, from your Word of God. And I thank you in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives. And we will never, ever be the same. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for those of you who are watching online. You can be seated as well. I am in a new series that we started on last Sunday called Scars. Everybody say Scars. Scars and the goal of our series is to help us identify and address areas where there is pain in our lives or address areas that have or involve unresolved issues that cause pain. Because sometimes pain comes from unresolved issues that we may have, and this is why lots of people have struggles with their parents, with teachers, or with people they may have grown up with because they never resolved the pain. And everyone in their life has a scar. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a scar. Everyone in life has a scar, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's financial, and even spiritual. And so last week I quoted an author named Dr. James Richards from his book entitled, uh, Stop, how to stop the pain. And so this is what he said, and I quote, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Everybody say pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. In other words, pain is something that you and I are going to experience. However, I believe suffering, which is ongoing pain, is something that we choose to have. And most people don't think that they have control over suffering or long-term pain, but we do. And so last week, we uh, I'm just going to review just a second here. Last week, our definition for the word scar in the dictionary was a mark. Everybody say a mark. A mark that was left by a healed wound. Just like this mark I have on my wrist. It's healed. I can touch it. It says also that it's a mark or left by a heel womb, a sore, or a burn. It's a lasting after effect of trouble, listen, especially a lasting psychological injury resulting from suffering or trauma. In other words, you and I 
some of us have scars and those scars have turned into wounds, which is a good thing. In other words, the reason that you have a scar is because you had a wound that's been healed. The problem, though, is sometimes we can heal physically but not heal emotionally or mentally. Say amen to that. And so last week I provided nine ways that we can experience scars. And so if you didn't watch last week's message, uh, I want you to do that because the principles in last week's message is the foundation for our series. And so every lesson that I'm going to be teaching is really built on the principles taught from the first one. And so if you're taking notes today or if you're following us online and you're looking at our notes, today's title is Overcoming the Scars of Trauma overcoming the scars of trauma. And the goal of today's message is to help bring awareness to what trauma is, how to biblically identify it and address it, and then last but not least, learn how to get free from trauma's lasting negative effects. That's the problem. Many people have experienced trauma, and I'm going to show you some people in the Bible that experienced trauma. The problem is not just what they went through. The problem is what they went through is still in them. So let's go back to our foundational passage that we used on last week. We looked at John chapter 20, verse 19. Let's look at that quickly. Uh, it says, then the same day, let me just give context. This is when Jesus had died. He ascended. He went to the Father. He came back. And so he was showing himself to his disciples. So uh, in verse 19 of chapter 20 of John, it says, Then the same day in the evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in the midst. And he says, Peace be unto you. Watch this, church. And when he had so said, read this part with me, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Wow. Jesus showed them his scars. And here's a principle from last week. You won't show what you're ashamed of. You won't show what you're healed, uh, what you're not healed of. And this is why a lot of people are not ready for next relationships because they're still hurt from the last one. Say amen to that. So you will never show what you are ashamed of. How can you, watch this, testify of God's goodness if no one's seen how bad the world has treated you. People say, well, I'm more than a conqueror. Well, how can you be a conqueror if you haven't conquered nothing? How can you have a test without a testimony? So verse 24, he showed his disciples his hands and his side. Verse 24, but Thomas, everybody say, there's always a but in here somewhere. Always a but. Somebody's but is always in the way. But Thomas... <laughs> one of the 12, he was called Didymus. We learned last week his nickname was Diddy. He was not there when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, hey, we've seen the Lord, but he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails. And we learned last week that word print is the word scar. Unless I see the hands, the scar of the nails, and put my finger into the scar of his nails and, and thrust my hand into his side, he says, I won't believe. And so after eight days had gone by uh, and his disciples were there and Thomas was, was with them, Jesus came and the doors being shut, he stood in the midst. And then verse 27, he said to Thomas, reach here your finger and behold my hands, reach here 
uh, into your hand and touch my side. Be not faithless, but believing. So last week we pointed out that Jesus was able to let Thomas touch him where he had previously been hurt. In other words, sometimes we're still hurt, so we can't let nobody close. And so when you're hurt like that, if you don't watch it, you'll make vows. Vows like, I will never. See, that's what a vow sounds like. You know, I I will never let a a man treat me like this. I'll never let a woman do me like this. I will never trust another co-worker again. Amen. So how was Jesus able to let Thomas touch him? It's because he didn't have a wound anymore. He had a scar. And see, this is where trauma comes in. Because unhealed trauma can trigger a person back to what happened to them as if it's happening right now. I'm going to say that again. Trauma can trigger a person back to what happened to them in the current as if it's happening right now. In other words, unhealed trauma causes a person to feel, act, and respond in ways as though what happened to them years ago is still happening to them right now. And when a person begins to function from this traumatic experience, listen, they only see what has happened to them But they fail to see, watch this now, the negative actions and attitudes that's coming from them. In other words, when you function in trauma, all you see is what happened to you. But you're blind to the fact of what you're doing, watch this, to create trauma in other people. Because we learned last week, hurting people hurt people. So here's now something, here's the definition of trauma that I want you to think about. Trauma is an experience that produces psychological injury or pain. I'm going to tie it into the Bible in just a minute. And today I want you all to receive what I'm teaching as if you, uh, because I'm trying to reach three different parts of you. I'm trying to reach your spiritual part. I'm trying to reach your intellectual part. I'm also trying to reach uh, this part to help you logically think through some of this stuff. Because just because it's not spiritual doesn't mean it's not real. So trauma is an experience that produces psychological injury or pain. Watch this. It can be a sudden or life-changing event which produces painful memories. Watch this. That overwhelms one's ability to cope. It's the way a person perceives and stories the traumatic event that determines his or her role as a casualty or survivor. And I'm going to talk about two positions that you have when you have been traumatized. Now, here's the thing. When trauma takes place in your life, you have to learn, watch this, how to manage the experience. Because if you don't, that experience can become a trauma. Because two people can go through the same thing and not feel the same way. As a matter of fact, you can go through something, watch this, that was meant to traumatize you, but if you manage the experience with the word, which I'm going to show you this morning to do how to do that, if you manage the experience properly, it won't be a trauma. It would just be an event. See, this, this burn right here, I was in the seventh grade. Here's the context. Y'all know my mama had fixed some Jiffy cornbread. And chef, my chef says, Pastor, stop comparing my cornbread to Jiffy. I'm like, are you okay? Are you being traumatized? (laughs) She was like, stop doing that. Because see, 
Her cornbread is made from scratch. Jiffy comes out of the box. You put a little sugar in there and, you know. So anyway, I wasn't getting Chef Kate's cornbread. I was getting Jiffy cornbread. And when I stuck my hand in the oven, that, that ring that makes it hot, I stuck it, it got me, and it was really, really bad. That was a traumatic situation. I still remember it. I'm physically healed from it, but I'm mentally healed from it too because I still like cornbread. <laughs> now see, when you've been traumatized by something, I'll give you another example of food. I used to have an aunt who, you know, at, back in the day lived in Bonton. Now if you are aware of South Dallas, you know what Bunton is. If you don't know what Bunton is, don't worry about it and don't try to visit. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. And don't be up there talking about Pastor Evan. Talk, no, they don't know Pastor Evan. <laughs> so listen, my aunt lived in Bunton, hood, straight up projects, just like you see on, on you know, good times and all that. And, uh, you know, one of the cheapest foods to, to give are corn dogs. You know, you could buy them in packs. And so, you know, I don't know why the hood corn dogs taste better than where I had them. <laughs> now, I'll never forget this day. I'm just eating all these corn dogs. I, I, I probably ate like four. And, man, I got sick. I threw up. I mean, it was bad. It was a traumatic situation. I have never eaten a corny dog again. <laughs> so when you heal from something, you can partake again. See how late that was? I was kind of, are y'all with me? Let me stay spiritual because y'all not. Okay, so listen. When something traumatic happens, you have to learn how to manage the experience because if you don't manage the, uh, the experience properly, it becomes trauma. Say amen to that. And that's why you can go through something and physically be healed, but not necessarily mentally be healed. So here's the first point as we jump into the lesson. Point number one is your perspective determines your response. When you go through trauma, your perspective determines your response. It's not what happens to you that impacts you as much as it is how you process what happened to you. The traumatic things that happen to a lot of people are things that happen, listen, what I call before Christ. In other words, something bad happened to you before you even knew Jesus Christ. And so we didn't even have the right resources to even manage it because we were not born again we we were not in the light and so sometimes we feel like there's nothing that we can do about what happened to us because it happened before we came to Jesus Christ but I'm going to show you today that it doesn't matter when it happened you still have the power to change it if you want to so what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first person we're going to look at that went through some traumatic things is Joseph Joseph in the uh, Old Testament went through a lot of things. Number one, he was treated differently. Okay? And if you are a parent, do your best to treat all your kids the same. Okay? 
uh, but he was treated differently by his dad, and that produced civil, uh, a sibling rival. And then the second thing, he got thrown into a pit to die. They basically kidnapped him, threw him in a pit, and then expected him to die. And then the third thing they did, they sold him into, into slavery. Wow. And then number four, he went to prison as an innocent man. I don't know about you, but does that sound like trauma? Look, just the prison part would have just traumatized me. I'm too little to go to prison. So they're going to go ahead and put this, the, the verse up on the screen that we're going to start reading, okay? Uh, I, for some reason, my notes are scratched out, so I'm going to use the confidence monitor if you all have put the, the verse, the first part of the verse up there. I'm starting in, uh, this is Genesis chapter, where am I? Where is it at? It's behind me. Genesis 50. So it says, after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers came, became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong that we did to him, they said. Okay, so basically they're reminiscing. They're like, okay, our father is dead. Joseph know that we did him wrong. So now he's going to get us back. So then verse 16 says, so they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to, to tell you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you. How many know they lying? They lying. Please forgive them for the sins in treating you cruelly. So we, the servants of, of the God of your fathers, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, watch this, he broke down and he wept. You know why he broke down and he wept? Because he had, he, he had forgiven them before they even asked. You know, some of us, you know, I had a conversation with someone this week and I realized the way, when I said something, the way, I, the way it came out showed me that there was some residue in some areas that I needed to get rid of. That's why you, you can't be nice to Johnny because you still got residue of Johnny inside. Let me just read verse 18. <laughs> then his, his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. This is what it, look, we're your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? Watch this now. Because see, I want you to see that your perspective determines your response. Watch what he says, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended this all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of people. And see, Joseph's perspective was not, oh, they're trying to hurt me, they're hating on me, they're trying to kill me. And you know what? They were. But you and I have a choice in life. What position, what perspective are we going to have? Are you going to have a word perspective or are you going to have a worldly perspective? Because see, the word perspective, I'm going to have what the word says. God says he's going to work things together for my good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. Even though I don't know how he's going to do that, I need to believe that he will. But the world says, get him. 
Everybody say your perspective determines your response. See, you can see right there that Joseph's perspective on what he went through. He did not allow, watch this now, what the people did to him to be his disposition or his perspective. Why? Because the time you and I allow what people do to us, let that becomes our perspective or position, they are now in control of our life. So there are two positions, two dispositions you and I can have when it comes to uh, trauma. We can be the victim. And this is where we adopt the perspective of being powerless. Watch this. This is where blame and bitterness is the only action that we have to defend ourselves. Or we can be the victor. And that's where you and I, we view what's happened to us through the word's eye, not the world's eye. So here's a take-home statement that I want you to think about. The traumatic wrong, watch this now, is always the fault of the abuser or the wrongdoer. But we must take responsibility for where we are so we can move forward. I'm going to say that again. See, whoever did you wrong, whether that was raped you, molested you, fired you, whatever traumatic event that you went through, okay, the wrong from that always goes back to the wrongdoer. But if you don't watch it, you and I, we must take responsibility. Watch this. Not for what happened, but I have to take responsibility for where I am right now so that I can move on with my life. So I'm going to show you now some scripture where some people have gone through some traumatic things and how they responded to it. Because I'm going to show you something. If you don't overcome trauma, you're going to be drama. Have you ever met people and they got a lot of drama going on in their life? All you got to do is just look at their friends. They, they could create, they, look, they could be, they could star in Tyler Perry's movie. So much drama going on. Watch this now. John chapter 5, look at verse 1. It says, it says after, there, after this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went to Jerusalem. And there was at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. Verse 3. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. They were blind, they were halt, they were withered, and they were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel would come down at a certain season into the pool and trouble the water. And whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatever disease he or she had. Verse 5. And after, and there was a certain man that was there, and he had an infirmity. How many years, church? 38 years. So let me ask you something. If you have gone through something like that for 38 years, would that be traumatic? It's like having cancer for 38 years and you've had to go through all these different treatments and all these different things. Okay, that's traumatic. Well, this man had been sick for 38 years. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him laying there, he knew that he had been there a long time in that case. And so Jesus said to him, read this with me, church. Will you be made whole? Question. Is that a question? Question, does that require a yes or a no? Yeah. I mean, if you came to me and said, Pastor Evan, I heard you're hungry. Do you want to eat? 
That requires a yes or no. Yes, let's go eat. Right? Well, let's see what this man's answer was. He says in verse 7, the young potent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. Because when I'm coming, another steps before me. This man who's gone through trauma for 38 years put his healing in somebody else's hands. And that's what people with trauma do. They blame. They say, well, if, if you hadn't have done that to me, then, then I would be better off. Well, you picked him though. Notice, he didn't even answer Jesus' question. Because there are two perspectives when it comes to walking through trauma. You can be the victim, and most people are. And so what do victims do? They either be bitter or they blame. And in this case, he said, hey, uh, I, I don't have nobody to come help me. So that's how, that's a sign when you see people who always are wanting help. It's because they don't want to take responsibility for what has happened. Now look at your neighbor and say, he ain't talking to me. Now look at him again and say, but I think he's talking to you though. So then watch this now. Jesus said unto him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Here's a take home thought. Everybody say, hmm. You cannot have abundant life if you decide to abundantly blame. I'm going to say that again. You cannot have abundant life if you decide to abundantly blame. Now I want to read this story real quick. Oh, I got to hurry up. Uh, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation, just a portion of it, because we do this and we don't know we're doing it. See, somebody this week, you just blamed your ex-situation on your bad credit, and that's why you can't get a house right now. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you he wasn't talking to you. I can't get no house if I hadn't gone through this. And but, but, but where do you say, God, this is where I am. You said you would work it together for my good. You said you would cause grace and favor to abound towards me. You said if God is for me, who can be against me? You said you would prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And because of that, God, I'm ready to sit down and eat. Watch this, John Five, look in verse 1. It says, after Jesus returned to Jerusalem. And I'm going to jump down to verse 5. One of the men lying there had been sick 38 years. When he saw Jesus, he knew he had been ill for a long time. He says, would you like to get well? He says, I can't, sir. I can't. Because I have no one to put me into the pool. I can't. I can't be healed. Because such and such hurt me. Pastor Evan, you don't know what I've gone through. I, look, Pastor Evan, you ain't never been raped. No, I haven't, but I don't have to. Because trauma is trauma. 
Look, I could have just broke my fingernail. And see, to some women, that's trauma. They just paid for it to get fixed. It's traumatic. Now they got to take some time off work. <laughs> Go get their nails done. Come on now. To a man, you can sit down in the barber chair and they take your edge up back too far. That's traumatic. That's traumatic. It's traumatic. I know it's going to grow back, but what do I do now? I'm going to start a hat ministry. That's what I'm going to do. He said, I can't. He says, I can't be healed. Listen, church, until you take full responsibility for where you are, the trauma will be in control of your life. Listen, and you will stay blind to what you really need to move forward in your life. Let's go to Acts 3. Acts 3. Unless you take full responsibility. And let me just say this. At the end, I'm going to show you how to open yourselves up for, for, for freedom. Because we had, a, we had a guest last week that came to church. Uh, he was invited by a new member. This new member was in the new membership class. So when I finished my part, I came out. And uh, two of our volunteers who were checking in people into the class said hey pastor here's a young man he's a he's a guest of one of our new members the new member told this person you need to come to my church because it's going to change your life i was like wow i'm going to that church <laughs> so I, I i met the young man and i and i i said hey why don't you just go sit in there with your friend new membership class almost finished so he went in there I noticed that he was paying really close attention during the message last week. And so uh, when I went out to greet, he came to greet me with his friend, the new member. And this is what he said to me. He says, Pastor, everything that you were talking about in the sermon was me. He says, I, I have had pain inside of me. That is very painful. And he said, doing service, he says, I don't like crying in front of people, but I started crying. He says... Something was like, just get on your knees. And he says, when I did that, he said, it was like somebody touched me and then pulled out of me all the pain that I had. He looked at me and said, I feel like a brand new person. I, I know you've been dealing with this long-term pain for a long time, but I'm telling you who the sun sets free. You can be free indeed. So watch this now. Because see, if you don't take responsibility for where you are right now, then you won't be able to manage this trauma. Listen, and you'll be blind to the things that you need versus what you're asking for. Acts 3, watch this. Now, Peter and John went up together in, in the temple uh, for prayer in the ninth hour, and there was a certain lame man from his mother's womb. How many know that's trauma right there? Because people are talking about you. You know, kids are cruel. You, you can have a handicap. They don't care. And then don't let them have a criticizing, critic, critical mom and daddy. My mama said, your parents didn't take care of you. That's what's, that's what's wrong with you. <laughs> your kids say crazy stuff, right? You ever talk to a kid? They, hey, how you doing? Your breath stinks. 
<laughs> they be honest like big time. <laughs> so it says that a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried daily at the gate from the temple called beautiful. Watch what he was doing. He was asking alms of those that entered into the temple. What was he asking for, church? What is alms? Money. I have a question. Did he need money? Well, somebody, well, yeah, he probably did because he couldn't work. He, he probably, you know, his disability probably ran out. So, yeah, he probably needs some money. No, he needed healing. Watch what he was doing, though. He was asking alms or money for those who walked in. So he saw Peter and John coming to the temple. He asked them for some money. So those people standing on the side of the road. Verse 4. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him. He says, look on us. And he gave heed to them expecting to receive something. Then Peter says, silver and gold, we have none. But such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, read it with me rise up and walk and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength and he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple walking and leaping and praising God this man was spending years asking for what he did not need but because his trauma blinded him to what he needed watch this now he began to beg for what he thought he wanted Amen. It's not what happens to me. It's my perspective of what happened to me. Here's point number two. What I replay is what is reinforced. What I replay is what's reinforced. See, most people's lives are stuck in rewind. When something is repeated, it's reinforced. And this is why repetition is so important in the learning process. When you go to school, they typically go over things, concepts, over and over and over. Why? Because repetition is one of the tools that reinforces the learning process. Well, because it's through repetition, watch this, recall is likely to happen. In other words, the more I think about something, repetition, the more likely the recall of what I'm thinking about is going to come up. Amen. And most people, listen church, replay trauma so much, it becomes their truth. I want to tell my truth. Man, if we had a Facebook page that, that was called My Truth, can I tell you something? Ain't no such thing as your truth. Because there's only one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say a truth and a life. So you ain't got my truth. No, no, no. See, my question is, do you want to believe your truth or do you want to believe the truth? And most people replay that trauma. And watch this now. It's not now what's happening to them. It's not even about that no more. It's about how many times they done played that thing in their head. And can I tell you something? It hurts worse the more you play it. In fact, most of the time when you're functioning in trauma, you replay it so much that what really happened 
ain't really what you're replaying no more. You're replaying the bad feelings that you had when you replayed it the last time. So now, watch this. You, you, you hearing conversations that ain't never took place. Remember that time you said I did this? Uh huh. I, I don't remember that. You know why? Look at your neighbor and say trauma brings drama. Go on and tell them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so how do we get out of this? What time is it? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay, so listen. The reason they play commercials on a regular basis over and over and over. Last night, Landon and I, we like watching Spectrum News. We have cable. I mean, yeah, cable. And uh, we don't even watch the shows and the movies. We watch Spectrum News. And they loop it. It plays the same thing over and over and over again. And there's this commercial that comes on with, uh, y'all remember uh, Jimmy Walker from Good Times? Dynamite! He's got this commercial that he does with some like, uh, uh, I don't know if it's AARP or what is it? Oh, y'all know about that. Landon and I in the bed last night, we saying exactly, call now. (laughs) When something is played over and 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 over again, you know what's going to happen? You're going to believe it. And that's why it says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. You see, you can't stop hearing. Because when you stop hearing, faith stops coming. And so watch this. We want to replay drama 25 times a day. And we want to hear the word one time. Can I tell you who's going to win? Mm. Joshua 1 8. Put it up there real quick and then we're going to end with the last point. Joshua 1 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall, watch this, meditate therein. How, how much? Now the word meditate, when you look it up, it means to mutter and to utter. It don't just mean to think, think about. It means to mutter and to utter. It, it's also the word imagine. So he's saying, you need to let the word come out your mouth And then you need to think about it consistently. And then when you do that and you start doing it, he says, you're going to make your way prosperous. You're going to have good success. I love the New Living Translation. It says, constantly remind the people about these laws. Everybody say constantly. Constantly. And you yourself must think about them every day and every night so that you're sure to obey them. For only then you will succeed. So here here we go. Here's the last point. Then I'm going to show you how to get out of this. Strongholds only become strong because lies have been repeated. That's what a stronghold is. A stronghold is something that has been repeated over and over and over again that your brain and your heart and your mind has accepted as a truth. And now it becomes a stronghold. See, the fact that you respond to your name, that's a good stronghold. Because if you didn't know your name after 21 years, you have another kind of stronghold. So here's point number three. How do we defeat trauma? Here's point number three. Trauma should never trump the word. Trauma should never trump the word. You must decide that God's way is the only way to overcome trauma. That's it. Listen, I believe in therapy. I believe in counselors. But can I tell you this? 
if they're not giving you biblical principles and they're not giving you spiritual advice from God's word, all they're giving you is information. Only the word has the power to pull trauma out of you and put truth inside of you. Watch what's this. This is in Psalm 18, verse 30. It says, for as for God, his way is perfect. Somewhere you got to accept the fact that, you know what? This word is real. The word is right. That's what I'm going to believe. Psalm 107, 20 says, he sent his word and did what? And healed them. And what else did his word do? It delivered them from their destruction. Hebrews 4.12 said, For the word of God is quick, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And the word has the ability to divide your soul from your spirit. Psalm 19.7 says, The word or the law of the Lord is perfect and it's able to convert your soul. When you look up that word convert, it means to return. Genesis 3.19 it's talked about when, when, they, when they sinned against God. He says, in the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. And watch this. Till thou return into the ground. We say these at funerals. For out of the ground you were taken. From dust you are, and from dust you shall do what? That word return is the same word convert. He's saying, listen, the word of the Lord is powerful enough to return your mind and your heart back to the state it was when God made you. Just because I remember wasn't that just because I remember what happened to me doesn't mean I'm not healed from it. I remember what happened. But I'm gonna eat some cornbread today. So how do we get how do we deal with this? How do we apply this? Let's go to the application. I'm jumping because I'm I'm out of time. Two ways we're gonna apply this. Number one, you gotta yield. In other words, you got to be willing to let go of what's hurt you. And I believe today, because when I'm doing stuff like this, God's doing things that I can't see. I, I believe there are, there's pain and there's hurt and there are uh, uh, things and issues that you are being delivered from right now as I speak. But, but the deliverance process doesn't start with me. It starts with you making a decision, I want to be healed. So the first thing to do, you got to yield. You got to be willing to let go of what's hurt you. Here's number two. You got to wield. W-I-E-L-D. That means to wield, like you wield a sword. It says, watch this now. Ephesians 6, 16. He says, above all, taking the shield of faith, where you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Verse 17. And then take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. Watch this, church, which is the word of God. Notice the context now is the word of God. And then he says, with the word of God, you're going to pray always. Pray the word. Because it's not going to return to him void. Stop praying, stop praying your feelings. Praying your feelings are good. But when you get through praying your feelings, you need to pray the word. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, y'all get something out of today? With every head bowed, there are some people right now who just need to say, God, I'm tired of the cycle of trauma. Yes, what happened to me is real. Yes, what happened to me hurt. And yes, what happened to me, I feel it. But God, I'm going to give what I can't do to you so you can do something with it. 
And I pray, Father, right now in the name of Jesus for every person who needs deliverance. Come on, just if you need deliverance, just raise your hand right there at your seat. Just raise both of them up like you're under arrest. Just raise them up, raise them up. Father, every person whose hands are raised in the name of Jesus, I declare freedom over their life. You said whom the Son sets free, they're free indeed. We're not trying to be free. Based on your word, we are already free. We're not trying to be healed. Your word says by your stripes we were already healed. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that they receive the deliverance that's already theirs. Father, all the pain and all the drama and some of them who have their hands up have been flooded with sickness because it's, it's broke down their bodies. And so I pray right now that you will restore the years that the canker worm has taken from them. And I declare over their lives today, every stronghold, every form of pain, every lie, every form of deception, everything that they have experienced to make them feel like they can't move on, they can. I rebuke the spirit of suicide in Jesus' name. You will not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. And I declare that Jesus, the healer, is healing you now. God, thank you for removing pain from hearts, from years of suffering. Let it go in Jesus' name. I see some relationships with daughters and mothers, and it just seemed like it's been an ongoing battle, but God says, if you'll let me fight the battle, I'll do it, but get out of the fight because it's not yours. And Father, I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses, washes, and changes. And I declare the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, the blood of Jesus over them, cleansing them, delivering them, and changing them in Jesus' mighty name. Say amen. You can put your hands down. Every, every head still bow. If you're here today, or if you're watching me,